When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So the Rays unveiled their new stadium, and on the field, especially at the Trop, they are red hot. And the Bucks, well, maybe not, at least not to start the season. Are storm clouds brewing? It is Friday the 13th. Who better than to have a guy who has never owned a black cat, walked under a ladder, or broken a mirror? Times columnist Tom Jones, Mr. Sunshine, is going to join us in just a minute. But first, got to tell you, oh, no, it is Friday the 13th. Hey, but Continental Wholesale Diamonds, they want to make today your lucky day. For a limited time, I have a special offer for our listeners from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Make sure you follow this now. Make your anniversary engagement or any special occasion even more breathtaking. Now, at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, with a minimum purchase of just $2,000, you will also receive a five-day, four-night cruise for two to the Caribbean on us. Includes your choice of cruise lines, and you get to pick the destination to the Caribbean. You get to enjoy Las Vegas-style entertainment and fine dining. Make sure you let Andy know you heard it from Rick and Steve at Sports Day Tampa Bay. So dazzle the one you love with diamonds, then enjoy an ocean adventure cruise on Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's just one of their sunny getaways, so get all the details now from our friend Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. And remember, don't waste your time at the shopping mall. That's where they have the huge overhead. and only means a higher price for you. Continental Wholesale Diamonds provides you with exquisite jewelry, a great selection, one-on-one customer service, always at wholesale prices that are easy on your pocketbook. And best of all, there's no pressure. Go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. He's going to pour you a nice scotch, and you'll find the perfect diamond for your loved one. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop. And now you get a cruise for two, five days, four nights if you spend $2,000 there. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. Tom Jones joins us now from vacation, which means we're both on vacation. Although I think, uh, Tom, what are you watching? Judge Judy? I, I will watch Judge Judy later on. But right now I'm watching a marathon of Southern Charm. Have you seen this show? Bravo? It's on Bravo? Southern Charm. What is that about? It's a exactly? bunch of uh, rich women, uh, rich guys, rich women, hot, all of them, men and women, both <laughs> of them hot. All they do is sleep with each other and then fight about it for the next like season. It's awesome. It's the greatest show on TV. Other than Vanderpump, Vanderpump Rules is it's Vanderpump Rules except these people have a lot of money. So and they all have more money than me. So they're doing something right, and I'm not apparently. Vanderpump Rules is a is a is a young crowd though, right? Or, or younger? It is. It is. These yeah. are like a little bit older. These are like thirty. These people in their thirties, I think, forties mm-hmm. maybe. But I don't know. It's it's like I said, they're doing something that I'm not doing because <laughs> right now money. I'm watching them and they're at a cookout on on Hilton Head Island. So I haven't <laughs> nice. done that lately. So yeah. What about you? Well, what's, so what's your go-to? What's your go-to, like, guilty pleasure TV? Like, mine is Judge. It's always been Judge Judy, but... And now you know, he's I'm just, like... A, I'm, a, I'm a surf movie guy. You know me. If I can okay, find yeah. if I can find A Few Good Men or um, Shawshank or, you know, um, even going way back Real Window with Jimmy Stewart, I'm good. You know? That's good. I'm just... That I'm works. that guy. Yeah. That works I, I'm me. not... 
not so much a TV series guy. Because I feel like I, if I find a marathon, then I either got to stay in it to figure out what the hell went on because I never watched uh, it yeah, no. in the first place. So when I retire, believe me, I'll never run out of TV choices because <laughs> I'm about 20 years behind. I watched I think the last. I was just, just going to say, the last, last, series, the last series I saw was The Sopranos, if that tells you anything. Okay, that counts. Yeah, that's not that long, yeah. that's not that long ago. I yeah, watched, so speaking of HBO, the other night I was getting ready, I was just flipping around, and there's a new uh, thing on HBO called Sharp Objects. It's with Amy Adams. It looks like it's an eight-part series. She plays a, re- a newspaper reporter who goes back to her hometown to investigate or to write a story, a, a, you know, an investigative piece on girls who've been disappearing in this town. And it looks mm. really, it's a, and it's the woman who wrote it is the woman who wrote Gone Girl. I don't know if you saw Gone Girl, with yes. and, which was a tremendous movie. But anyway, it's, it's sort of a weird vibe to this one. So if you have, it's just the first one was uh, the other night. So, so I think I'm going to well, get I, into that. I haven't been into a series in a long time, but. I know you like Amy something. Adams and certainly you're I, all about newspapers. Fan. So big that's fan. Too, <laughs> Although, too you know what? Have you ever seen a movie like this one, like her editor sent her down there and they, they had this little scene with her and her editor. And it was, it, I don't know if it was like kind of a small town paper, but they made it feel like it was a bigger paper. And it, and the conversation wasn't exactly what you would find between, I don't think, an editor and a writer. Like, you know how those conversations go. So I'm trying to find, like, there aren't that many movies, Rick, when you think about it, where we see newspapers that are accurately portrayed. You know, we saw That's like true. all the all the president's men was pretty good. That was a pretty good portrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, the paper was kind of like a, I don't remember that one with Michael Keaton and all that was kind of the, the post was similar. The in, post was it, similar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's like they have a hard time, I think, in movies making it authentic, making it look like newspaper, like a real newspaper. Well, I, I love the ones whenever a sports writer is involved and he's got that little thing in his in his hat that says press. <laughs> That's right. Or, you know what or, I was, or, or the lady in the locker room that drops the microphone before the right. the uh, half dressed uh, football player. Exactly. I. You know what I, when I when I first got my job, the very first job I ever had at the Evening Independent. You remember the old Evening Independent? Yes. I and my for dad, that. as a birthday uh, Christmas gift, as a joke, bought me a hat that said "Press" on it. <laughs> <laughs> Where is like, that hat? I don't know. I wish. I hope I have it somewhere. Please my find my, that hat. I gotta find a hat. It's one of my favorites of all time. So. All right. Well, that's way too much uh, fun talk. So now we'll get to the serious <laughs> stuff. Um, speaking of, uh, there's no segue here, so I won't try one. But that's fine. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, are finishing up their last series before the All Star break there in Minnesota as we uh, do this podcast. And, uh, you know, winners of 14 out of 15 at home. I don't remember that ever happening. Never. Because it never has happened. Uh, right. I don't I, think I'm, here. I'm perfectly willing to throw myself on, on coals and let Kevin Cash, you know, throw sharp objects at me because <laughs> I said this team was going to lose 100 games. I think they're probably not, um, although I, guess, I don't even know if mathematically it's possible. Um, I've been as shocked as anybody uh, about the success that they've had, and I really think – um, that as much as anything, it boils down to this crazy idea of opening pitchers uh, and, you know, having started now 14 different guys, uh, you know, somewhat out of necessity. I don't think they plan to do it, you know, three out of five days. Right. But but this this is one of the biggest stories in baseball, and I'm not sure it's not going to change the game, maybe not with the bigger market teams, but certainly throughout baseball, I think I think they may, may be on to something. Well, several things to digest there with what you just said. First off, I, I'm with you. I, when they made all these deals in the offseason, and, and right after they traded Longoria, I wrote a column saying, 
look, they're clearly tanking it. They're giving up. They're not going to yeah. be competitive this year. And then right before the season started, or I think maybe right at opening day, somewhere around there, I, I sort of scaled back a little bit where I thought, you know what, maybe it's not going to be that bad because they weren't winning it with those other guys anyway, Dickerson, Longoria, um, uh, Logan Morrison, all the guys, that, uh, Jake Odorizzi, they didn't win last year. So why not? make room for some of these younger guys like Jake Bowers and Willie Adamas eventually and and, uh, and see where you go from there. But however, they started one night. You and I did a podcast. We did TV shows together. I was right there with you. I said, well, now they're going to lose 100, you know, and, and I thought it was going that way for sure. Clearly, Rick, they, they're on to something here. But are, is there a part of you, because I feel, still feel this way, there's a part of me that I still want to see how this plays out when we get to August, when we get to September and see if they can keep it up with this pitching, because I keep waiting for these guys to just run out of gas. I keep waiting for these bullpen guys who are, who are pitching a lot of innings just to run out of gas. And, and, and this experiment of, Hey, let's, let's put relievers and let's use seven guys some night to eventually Fail? Not. I don't know if it failed, but I, I don't. I don't. I don't imagine it can keep the momentum it is now. I don't know. I, I think it could run out of gas. I'm waiting to see. Well, I mean, I don't know. It can't go any better. Let's put it that way. I mean, right. since May, in the middle of May, they got the lowest ERA in baseball, and it's not even close. Um, so I don't. I don't see that happening uh, or sustaining itself in terms of at that level necessarily. But you're right. And again, I I'm not smart enough and haven't accumulated enough statistics to tell you whether that they're all exceeding their innings, whether they're going to face burnout in August and September. I just don't know. They've, they've had a lot of guys that they have options on, so they've sort of had a little bit of the Durham shuffle, you know, that they've been able to play. You can't do that forever with, with, with every player years, years, you know, going forward. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of these guys have pitched very, very well. And, and, you know, I also think that, you know, if they got Jake Faria back or, you know, they just recently got Chris Archer, you might see it, you know, be, reduced to maybe one or two out of five days. Um, but I'm telling you, as far as this notion that, you know, you disrupt hitters, which is what pitching is, by not allowing them to see the same guy twice in a game, I absolutely think if they're good. Now, you know, if the pitchers stink, then it doesn't matter if they're going to throw right. a ball four. Um, but I know that that's disruptive. Hitters have said it about the Rays. They don't like it. You heard a similar sort of refrain when they started, you know, shifting on every at-bat, it seemed. And, and, you know, the shifts had been in place before, but, you know, to the extent that the Rays started doing it, now everybody in baseball does it, and hitters did not adjust. They have not adjusted. Um, I really think that, especially with the teams that can't afford Justin Verlander and four other guys at $20 million, that this this might be what what baseball becomes, a specialist sport sort of like football in many ways where you're just looking at matchups. Well, we looked at it, Rick. I mean, you can remember when we were kids growing up watching baseball, you essentially, you had starting pitchers and then you had a closer and the guys in between usually weren't that great. They were basically right. your guys who weren't good enough to be starters or good enough to close games. Mm -hmm. And anymore, you could pick out guys in the middle relief of, of most teams in baseball and their stuff is as good as, pretty much everybody else on the staff except for the elite pitchers in baseball. I mean, you there are guys all over the place. And we've talked about this before. Back even in the 80s, you might have one guy on your staff who could come close to 100, maybe throw 94, 95, 96, maybe one, two guys. Now, if you don't have like six guys that can hit mid-90s, then 
there's something wrong with your pitching staff. So I agree with you. And look, and you played high school, uh, college ball at, at a at a pretty high level, Rick. You know what it's like to face different guys every time up, and that's got to throw off. I, I agree, it's got to throw off hitters. If if now I realize they scout a lot more at the major league level. You've seen sure. those pitchers a lot more oh, yeah. at the major league level. But uh, I'm with you. If then the statistics bear it out. I mean, I don't care what p- most pitchers out there first time through a lineup. They have a the other team has a really poor batting average. And then it gets a little better the second time through, and by the third time through, a lot of guys are hitting 280, 290 against most pitchers. So, look, they've they've clearly stumbled onto something. Now maybe it will last. Maybe they can do it the whole year if pitchers know going into a week. Okay, I'm going to pitch Monday, and then I'm probably coming to come back on Wednesday or Thursday. Maybe that's a better way to do it than really not knowing from day to day what you're going to get out of your starter, and then having to pitch Tuesday, Wednesday, and take Thursday out, then Friday, Saturday. Maybe there's a little more of a rhythm to this. I don't know, but those pictures can answer the question. But it's working. Whatever it is, it's working, and I'm stunned by it. Yeah, and I also think, and Steve and I have talked about this, that they got the right mix in terms of you know so many guys that are new to the big leagues that would that are buying in. I think buy-in is the biggest thing, right? Kevin Cash has to buy in or he wouldn't be managing the Rays. But also these pitchers that are guys that don't really have defined roles, maybe they're not like, hey, I was a starter, why are you throwing me out of the bullpen? Or somebody who wants to be on the back end of the bullpen saying, why am I beginning games and I should be closing games? So there's really no egos for that matter. And I was listening to Mark Tompkin talk about this. Outside of maybe uh, Hechevarria, um, outside of – you know, uh, the, the, you know, they're catchers, if you will. Um, I try to think. I don't know that there's, you know, and then and Blake Snell, right? Um, I'm trying to think. And Archer. Maybe those five guys, everybody else, not only do they not pitch at any time, they can play any position. I mean, they're either they're, – yeah. they can be infielders or outfielders. <laughs> I mean, they are virtually a, you know, a, a team with utility players, if you really think about it. Um, capable. I mean, uh, you know, Kiermaier, I guess, is an outfielder. But uh, other than that, you know, almost, almost him and Alex Malik Smith, almost everybody can play multiple positions, play anywhere uh, except catch and pitch. And they kind of have a whole team of that right now. I saw a uh, tweet, and I'm trying to think who it was. Uh, it was somebody pretty big in, the, in, you know, it was a pretty good baseball writer out there, and I wish I could remember who who said, look, as great as the Red Sox and the Yankees are doing this year, is there any question that Kevin Cash is the American League manager of the year? It was now, Pete I Abraham. Mean, I think it was Pete, Ham- Pete Abraham. from Boston, yeah. There you go, which is a, that's a pretty good guy right there, pretty sharp guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, boy, I, when I start, and I start thinking about it, and it's, and it's hard. And somebody like John Heyman the other day was ripping into the Mets about getting nearly perfect games by the Rays. And, and it's like, is this mm-hmm. a low point for the, for the Mets this year? And somebody replied, what are you talking about? Like, the Rays are really good. Like, why would you be embarrassed to lose to the Rays? Because a lot of teams are losing to the Rays. Uh, so I looked at it. Uh, boy, Kevin Cash, I, you know, I, I don't know how much, of, uh, how much of this is luck, how much of this is, is coming from above. Right. But, boy, it's hard to argue, Rick, with, with the success that they're having and, get in, and, what he's, and the job he's done as well. He's not going to win manager of the year because they're not going to make the playoffs most likely. If they did, I would say he should get the number one vote. Um, but it'll probably go to somebody that, that has a team that you know wins the World Series or goes to it or, or achieves. But, um, but he, is, he has bought in. I, I've never been a huge Kevin Cash fan, just simply because I didn't know. You know, I, I still think the tail wags the dog, and I, I and sometimes I feel sorry for him, quite frankly, because he knows. But I, I think that having his own coaching staff, I think that having his own guys that he's comfortable with, 
and just being able to grow into that job. Like the time I've spent around him, I think he has the perfect temperament. He has a, a sense of humor about him. He understands exactly where the Rays are in in the in the big picture things and what they're trying to accomplish. I think he takes pressure off the young players, um, and yet still holds them all accountable. I, I kind of I've liked how Kevin. It's funny when you win, you feel that way. But I like the yeah. way Kevin Cash is sort of have. Uh, you know, because without his buy-in, if he was marching up and down, I mean, you imagine, oh, talk to the pitching coach, Lou Pinella or some <laughs> some of these old guys that were this was being forced on them, it just wouldn't work. And yet he has not only embraced it, he's he's sort of fostered its success. So, look, uh, it's it can't be an easy position to be in, but they have certainly made the most of it. No, and you mentioned the buy-in. I, I had a conversation with Kevin Cash after the media scrum a couple weeks ago. Uh, after that, after the series where they, I think they took three out of four against Houston. It was after that, right? And everybody right. walked out, and I was, I managed to hang around for a few minutes. And that's the first thing he said to me. It was, look, he goes, I wish I could take credit for this. He goes, but people are buying in, like every mm-hmm. to get Sergio Romo, like, hey, Sergio, you're going to start uh, Monday night, and then the next day you're bringing him in in the ninth inning, and then two days later he's coming in in a fifth. You know, if those, like you said, guys could easily complain about. Now there are a lot of guys who are just happy to be here. I'm sure. You know, a guy like Stanek or something like that. He, he uses sure. me however you want, but they've sure. got some veterans too that, yeah, certainly have to buy in in order for this to uh, for this to work. The Rays unveiled their stadium. Uh, two questions, really, and you can take them in any order. But let's start with. Well, let's not take them in any order. Let's do this. <laughs> what did you think of the design? And secondly, um, let's address. Do you think there's any way that this community and the Rays, whatever contribution they think they're going to put out there, comes up with the nine hundred million dollars to build it? The design was – I wasn't expecting – I think we all pretty much thought there's going to be a retractable roof and we wanted a, a retractable roof. And and then when you start to think about it and say, really, how many times a year could we use a retractable roof? And I was thinking at that point, boy, that would be – if you'd have told me ahead of time, there's – okay, no retractable roof. I thought, well, that's going to – you know, that's not going to be any good because I want to see the sky. Mm-hmm. And they've somehow come up with a, a, a way to do it. I don't know. I still don't understand – like how these things architecture enough and how all these things work that it's not going to be 175 million degrees inside there <laughs> in the middle of August. But I guess they figured out air conditioning, the, baby air conditioning. I guess, I guess so. But man, you're gonna have to crank it down, man. Um, but as far as, as getting it, getting it built, boy, I still have my doubts about it. And I've said that all along. I just don't yeah. think people are going to put their own money up. Now, if you can come up with some sort of, you know, player tax, some sort of, you know, your chart, tourism tax, like if your other people are paying for it, uh, then I think people will jump on jump on it, um, but man, I mean, if you're asking people to pay six hundred of fifty of the nine hundred million, I think you're going to have a hard time getting people to swallow that. I just, you know, you saw Rick, you were around when the whole Buck Stadium was was going down, and yeah, they that were was using a lot less money, <laughs> a lot less money, and yeah. they were trying to find alternate forms of of of, um, of paying for it. And even yeah. then, it was it was like I remember you telling me that there was one game where what Tony Dungy lost the game and said that's it I've, I've just lost a team for this. Yeah, two days uh, before community. the vote. Yeah, they got beat thirty four to three. His first game against the Packers, he felt like he had he had tipped tipped the tide. It was less than five percent um, in favor, which is how they they got the half cent sales tax in Hillsborough, which they could never attempt to do again um, for the purpose of a stadium. It wasn't just the stadium; they attached it to police and fire um, right. improvements, but. Um, you would not see that. And the price tag of that stadium, I think, if my memory serves, was around, I don't know, $200 million or thereabouts. It was, not, not, you know, obviously 20 years ago. So um, this this seems huge. I'm wondering if they would, if you know, because 
there is some deadline with Hillsborough County due January 1st, but I'm wondering if this doesn't work out here where they want it in Ybor City, do you think there's any chance they go back to St. Petersburg and say, okay, let's see if we can make it work here? I would, I think so. I think that's still a possibility. I, I would still like to see them work with something more downtown St. Pete, but um, you're still going to have people complaining about, well, it's too far. I don't want to drive right. all the way to St. Pete. It's sure. not centrally located. This and I'm, look, I don't. Th- I don't, it doesn't matter where they put it. For me, I still think they're going to have trouble drawing people. You could move it over to the fairgrounds, and this, you know, Ebor City's pretty centrally located when you're talking about the whole Tampa Bay metro area. Right. I still, Rick. I mean, I think for the first year, wherever the stadium is, they'll get a bump. And after that, look, we've seen what's happened in Pittsburgh. I just saw a tweet today talking about the attendance in Pittsburgh. Where over the last four years they've gone from, and that's that's as nice a ballpark as there Gorgeous, is yeah. in the country. It's as nice a baseball stadium as I've ever been in. And four years ago they've gone from like thirty thousand to twenty six thousand to twenty thousand to seven. They're averaging like seventeen thousand fans a mm. game, and it's beautiful weather and it's a beautiful you know everything's great. It's a crappy team, and they have no future right now. And people don't go to the game, and that's that's a semi baseball town. It's it's more of a football town than anything, but. I mean, here, same thing, Rick. If they don't, even when they put a winning team on the field here, in we saw from 2008 to 2013, people were lukewarm about it. It was a little bit better, but not, you know, um, you know, not it weren't selling out regularly. So, yeah. I don't know. I still feel I still feel like it's a long shot uh, to keep this team in Tampa Bay. I just. I don't know. Well, the good news is if they build it and they only get half the crowd there, it's 14,000. So I know you're a glass half full or stadium half full <laughs> guy. I like I do like that. I do think that's a good idea to keep it as a smaller stadium. I do sure, like it. We've seen that demand. trend anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Yeah. I hope Let's, it does. I hope it works. It sounds like it, it looks cool. I, I like the location. I um, I prefer the trop because it's 10 minutes from <laughs> It's my closer, house. right? Exactly, I but I would I would gladly drive the Ebor and I, and I hope people well, I think the community does bear some responsibility. If you want a major league team, you should have to pay for some of it. Not some of it, not all of it. Half, half seems fair. I mm-hmm. think if you're a community and if it's a, a billion-dollar stadium, yeah, I think $500 million is not unreasonable to ask for if you're the owners. But when you when you start talking about, hey, I'm only putting in $150 million, you guys got to foot the bill for the rest, that's when you're going to have problems. Yeah, no, that that's, that's not going to fly. But, you know, as far as downtown goes, you see on – Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many nights, uh, and I know they, they, they play not quite as many games, but, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning draw 18,000 a night. Um, you know, when they're, when they're home in hockey and Emily arena, which is really technically just down the street. So, um, no reason to think that, you know, that many people, um, couldn't or, or shouldn't be able to, to, to go into the new ballpark with the Rays. I wish right. I wish they could take the vibe of downtown St. Pete, which is a much different place, Rick, than you remember when you grew up. That's here. right. Mm-hmm. Downtown St. Pete was nothing. Now it's a really cool place. I mean, restaurants yeah. and breweries and, and bars and all kind of stuff to do if you could somehow you know take that vibe and and centrally locate it or get people on over in tampa and and polk county to realize how cool downtown st pete is yeah. um that would be that because i'm not sure like ebor's kind of you know i i have been to ebor in a long time it feels like it's a young place 
you know, I don't know that, you know, I don't, I'm, I haven't been there in a long time to be honest with you in terms of hanging out there. Like I, I was, you know, I, I, the last time I think I went out at night over there, uh, I know it's probably <laughs> been a decade or more. Really. I mean, I don't go, I, you know, I, li- I live in St. Pete. So, um, but to see if what I would be curious to see what that area would end up looking like if they build the stadium there and if it would become a place that would attract people beyond oh, the, the three hours from seven to 10 that a game was being played. I think it would be vibrant and downtown is changing even in Tampa. There's more people living down there uh, now. And if you go across the river, the Hillsborough river, um, you know, to where a lot of the new restaurants and, and things that are, that are forming are real popular. It's really, it's really growing. So maybe this would tie it all in together. Um, let's talk finally about, uh, you, you know, I, I thought you were on board with the Bucks this year. In fact, <laughs> I, was, I, was I specifically remember a column saying, "Hey, remember last year when I said they weren't not to not to you know to pump the brakes? Well, this year I'm saying mash the accelerator because I think they're going to be good, and no one's giving them credit. Well, now of course we know the rest of the story that Jameis Winston's not going to be uh, playing for at least uh, three three of those games as he serves his suspension, and you seem to think that. I'm not saying you, you, you said to write the entire season off, but that there's sort of this now, this dark cloud, this malaise over the Bucks even before they make it to training camp. Am I, it, that, it am feels, I right? No, that, no you, you accurately portrayed the column. It was, it, I said the abyss. It just feels like there's this dread now to start the season. And, I, and you might have looked at it. People may look at it a couple of ways and say, look, they were probably they were they had a decent chance of starting 0-3 anyway, even with Jameis Winston as their quarterback. With you know starting off because of the schedule, right? Yeah, at New Orleans coming home against Pittsburgh, home against Philly, Mm -hmm. Uh, or you could look at and say, look, if they could sneak out one of those games and they go one and two, yeah, things won't be that bad. Come you know week four, and then they get Mm -hmm. Chicago, and they you put the weather couple wins, and all of a sudden you could get to it by week six or say if you're like at week seven, you might be three and four, which isn't all that awful really when you think about it, but. I don't know, Rick. I, just to me, there's this sense of like they start off zero and three. First off, it's almost impossible to make the playoffs if you start zero and three. I, I looked up the stat the other day. I well, think we'll trot them out. You probably already have uh, them, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think the, I think since 1980, I want to say there's been about 170 some teams that have started zero and three. Only five have made the playoffs. It's really difficult to do. You look at their at the division they're in. It and again. Yeah. We might get to mid-November, and maybe Matt Ryan has missed the whole season for Atlanta. You don't. Oh, yeah, every year. You different. and I have yeah. talked about it. Yeah, the yeah. NFL's different year after year after year. Like the one year, Mike Glennon goes into Pittsburgh and wins. Who who thought that would happen? You know, so those those type of games happen. Yeah. But I just feel like there's this. It just feels like the suspension and sort of everything around it has just led to this dread. And now people are gonna they're fighting for their jobs all of a sudden. Dirk Cutters, look his. He's he's in the jackpot now. <laughs> That's my new favorite. He, he was on yeah right. He was on a hot seat anyway. I mean, let's he be was, honest. And he, so was Jason you know, Light. And you know, yeah, it's just, I mean, they yeah. were both there, and now they have a higher um, a higher mountain to climb, I suppose, with without their starting quarterback. But uh, to play devil's advocate, um, and look, I I was asked this question, and I kind of bailed a little bit on the answer, maybe, but it was like, well, can this be a rallying point? Well, they're gonna try to use it as that. But I, but I also think I mean, we know how important the quarterback is in the National Football League. That's why they spent the number one overall pick on him. Right. That's why they tanked the year before in the final game against New Orleans to get the number one pick. And they've, they've, you know, spent now three, four years, going on four years, you know, uh, building around him. Um, but having said all that, it is a team game, and we're talking about three games, not the, not six or the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, Fitzpatrick did play last year. Yeah, he beat the Jets and the Dolphins. This is not. New Orleans, uh, Pittsburgh, and or New Orleans, Philly, and Pittsburgh, 
but aren't there is is there enough around that football team to where if you weren't so quarterback centric, whether it's Ronald Jones or the defensive line or or you know Ryan Jensen the new offensive lineman or those wide receivers that seem to be in tight ends that seem to be pretty effective, isn't there enough to weather a little bit of that storm, um, and say well you know now I think I would agree with you this that that it's a different thing when it's self inflicted this they will say let's treat it like an injury. It is not an injury. It's 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 somebody that went out and did something stupid, and the very thing they were afraid of when when uh, they drafted them. Um, so I don't know the reception of other players. I mean, players tend to forget and forgive pretty easily about other guys' off-field right. transgressions. But if they start zero and three, their attitude might be a little different come come Chicago. But I just think that that uh, if your football team is good, and, and you have to be good to make the playoffs. I don't think bad teams make the postseason. I so agree. if your football team is good and you can find ways to win, I mean, hell, we just watched the Philadelphia – and I'm not comparing them to the Eagles, but the Eagles did win a Super Bowl without their starting quarterback that threw 33 touchdowns and went 13-3. and three. Right. And also, a few years ago, the New England Patriots – and I'm not comparing the Bucs to the Patriots, but I'm just show, using this as an right, example. But they weathered that storm. The Patriots With were missing Jacoby Tom Brady for, God's for four games, right, and, yeah. then, and then lost their backup – yeah, uh, lost for, for a game. Yeah, for for a game or two there as well. So yeah, like can you can you should you be able to weather the storm losing your quarterback for three games? Yes, and like I said, they were, and I'll play devil's advocate along with you. It it might not be the worst thing that that can happen to you. It's. Um, Maybe they find a way to maybe Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt in week two or week one. Well, we don't know who they're gonna who's gonna show right. up when they play these teams, right? Exactly, exactly. I'm just saying, more of what that column was, Rick, was like it just felt like the vibe all of a sudden. It just really put a damper on everything. And I know there and are more I would, important. Things. I would agree with you. I think that you know, for the fans, yeah. It's I talked to a couple of people that were season ticket holders that are friends of mine, and they say, you know what? If they don't make the playoffs this year, regardless, I don't care about Jameis. I don't care about anything. This team has to make the playoffs or I'm not I'm not buying tickets anymore. It's been 10 yeah. years. And you know, whether it's Jameis Winston or Mike Glennon or Greg Schiano or Raheem Morris, whoever the hell was the next guy supposed to get them over the top has not done it. And and I understand to me what I think you're speaking to is the fan. This has taken away what, you know, the one thing everybody has in the NFL is hope in September. Right. Right when you kick off right. the season, I think it has greatly diminished their hopes and expectations. Now you know last year they had this damn team in the Super Bowl, which was ridiculous, um, and we found that out pretty quickly. But I think this is this is this is damaging to their fan base, um, and and when, at a time when ev- when they should be, you know, on on top of the world, thinking mm-hmm. this is our year. Right. They they do have. That's where I think it's going to be felt the most. I don't know that the guys that go in it and sweat through three hours of practice every day right, are, are yeah. woe is me because Jameis is still standing right there practicing. Um, now, you know, when they get their teeth kicked in in New Orleans and then against Philadelphia, maybe they'll start to feel pretty bad about things. But um, but we don't No, you're, you know. you're You've hit it right on the head. I think there's almost two for some fans, not all. But I think for some fans, too, there's an embarrassment factor yeah. about this as well. It's just like, oh, man, our quarterback's not playing. And the reason is that he's not playing is because he got suspended for something pretty creepy. And yep. um, and it, like, if you look at a few years ago when Tom Brady was suspended, yeah, that was a rallying cry because everybody in New England's like, we're getting screwed. Goodell's screwing us. They hate this is dumb. I don't know, you know, deflating footballs. And everybody, everybody could rally around that. But – 
in this particular situation, even people who, who are big Jameis fans that I've heard from, like, eh, I, you know, they, nobody, everybody there is like, I don't know what happened, but I wish nothing had happened. I would, there's an, like I said, there's an embarrassment factor here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I don't look, does Levante David feel that? Does, uh, Gerald McCoy feel that? Does Mike Evans feel that? No, they're they're professionals. They're going out. They're going to line up with whoever's out there. You know, you're right about that. There's this next man up mentality in football, and they don't care why the guy's out. It's just hey, let's yeah. go play. Right. But at the but that column was more written about boy, just the vibe around this team all of a sudden. And look, yeah, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be one of these things. They're going to have to answer questions about it. You know, there was no an awkward, I don't, you know there was an awkward thing the other day. I guess Kevin O'Donnell from Channel 13. Mm-hmm. Caught up with Jameis, working out with Randy Moss, and Jameis didn't want to talk, and certainly that's his right. But that's one of those things. He might not have been ready to talk. Well, but he's going to have to address it. At some his point. teammates and his coaches are going to have to talk about it almost consistently or not, right. or be asked about it simply because, let's say, uh, it's training camp uh, and you're Dirk Cutter or you're Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who's taking the reps? How are you going right. to work the games? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much do you want Jameis to play? Are you worried about him being exposed to injury because 21 millions is guaranteed against injury next year if he gets hurt? You know, all those questions. And then you brought up Randy Moss. <laughs> uh, look, I'm not going to pretend that that Jameis doesn't have good people around him because when he was drafted, you know, Derek Brooks and others were in his ear. There's a lot of people in Jameis's ear. Apparently some bad people in Jameis's ear as well, and that's why he's in this position. Who he choose to listen listen to is probably as important as those talking to him. Right. And I expect him to have more mentors along the way. Were you surprised at all that the first guy or one of the first guys we see after this suspension that's dispensing advice is none other than Randy Moss, who went through his troubles, and let's face it, Randy Moss is not in the same place he was when he that's was playing. Right. He's on ESPN. He does a credible job. Most people seem to like him. He'll tell you he made mistakes. Good thing or bad thing that Randy Moss is one of his mentors? Everything you say is true. Like when I, and I, but, but I got to admit, Rick, when I saw the name, I'm like, is that the guy that I want <laughs> mentoring him? I, I, he's been through adversity. He's been through he's personal been through adversity. Look, he, he's on ESPN now and he does a great job and it looks like he's got his everything straightened out. I don't know. You can make the it's argument. It's kind of like A Rod talking to a baseball player, I guess. Right. I don't know. You but know? but I mean, you can make the argument he's the best guy to talk to Jameis because he has been through all this. He's now, been in his I, shoes somewhat. He's, yeah. yeah, he's sort of he's been, uh, you know, he's he's been on the outside looking in at times, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. he's been seen as a guy that's a um, problem. Uh, had a, yeah, problem a problem child. Yeah, I don't off I, field. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. As far as the exact things he's done off the field, I don't know if they exactly relate to anything Jameis no, has been no, accused but, of. But yeah. but no, but. But I have to admit, like, <laughs> yeah, I saw the name Randy Moss. Like, Ugh. do I want Randy Moss being the being the guy? But again, it goes back to this, Rick. When when you watch sort of, and again, this is what I'm talking about as far as looking the abyss and talking about the fans that you have the the training camp shows and 32 for 32 teams in 32 days and all this other thing that the NFL Network does. And every time you watch one of those stories, if you're a Bucks fan, every single one they're gonna say, "Well, Jameis Winston's not available in the first three games." That's going to be the, the in the story every time. Yes, it will. Instead of talking about, hey, how great this is going to be, what a good season, hey, there's, things are looking up. Yep. They drafted guys. They, they got brought in JPP. They got a new defense. Mm-hmm. They got a new running back, a running game. They've got all these things going for them, uh, but they, their quarterback's suspended first three games. It's going to be just a heavy, just, just dread, I think, for the first three games until they get through it. And then anything that goes wrong after that, if they – 
if they say they go, uh, you know, three and three right after an zero and three start, you say, well, this team's actually going to have some nice wins. Uh, but if they hadn't missed those first three games because Jameis was out, it's going to be always there. I mean, he's almost in they, a no-win situation, right? Is. I mean, if the if the team plays well out of the out of the gate, and say Ryan Fitzpatrick somehow as a team they go two and one, okay, but they but here comes Jameis week four because he's their starter. Um, if he doesn't just take them all the way to the postseason, fall somewhere short. What are you going to say? You say, well, you know, he's, he's, then he's not that good or, or that he was rusty because he, he missed four weeks or something like that. Um, so really, I, I mean, I, I don't know. And if they're, if they're 0-3 uh, and he can't just carry him on his back all the way, then, and they, you know, then everybody's fired and, and, and they'd be looking <laughs> at him to, to decide whether or not they want to bring him back. I mean, right. his only – to me, Tom, the only way I see this is that he has to, whenever he takes the field, he has to carry them to victories. And if not him, he has to be the guy that doesn't screw it up. But they have to win games with him under center. A lot of games. A right. lot of games. Enough to get into the postseason or just miss it. Because if they just miss it and it was the three games that they missed it by that he was suspended for, right? then what are they going to say? And right. This and, is and on also, you. You're right. And also, too, say, say, say the Steelers aren't that good. Say the Steelers right. aren't that good after all. Say the Steelers end up going seven and nine, right. but, one, you know, but they they blew out the Bucks, and the Bucks had a bad day that day. Yeah. As 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 we look back at the end of the season, you start, you know, you know how it is. Some season you look back at games oh, yeah. and say, "Oh, they beat That's this team." Like before yeah. the year was like the one year they were they were playing Dallas, and before the season pulled, they're, they're going to have a hard time beating Dallas at home. Well, then Tony Romo wasn't in that game, and they end up winning that game. And you look back right. and like, well, that wasn't a great win after all. Or some teams right. are way better than you think they're going to be. So, yeah, I, I don't know how he gets through it unless you're right, unless they make the playoffs. Uh, and Which means uh, he has to play unbelievable, in yes. my opinion. Right. Because right. you'll have some training camp, four weeks off, short week at Chicago. Mm-hmm. Bye week, home against Cleveland, your only home game in nine straight weeks of the season. Then you're back on the road again. By the time they see Jameis again after Cleveland, we'll know what the season is. Right. And so, then, look, my, 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 my whole point of the column, too, was, was, was exactly this. That at a time of year we, that everybody should be excited about this team, it's just hard, it's hard to get excited based on absolutely. everything that's surrounded this team and, sort of how, and how things might start. You know. Absolutely. Well, Tommy, I'll let you get back to, what was it, Southern Comfort? Southern, no, that's Southern, the drink. <laughs> no, Southern Comfort. <laughs> Speaking of which, okay, there's two things. That's double meaning. Very underrated, by the way. Did you ever see that movie, Southern Comfort? There's no. a movie called Southern Comfort. I was talking about the spirit. I know you were. And that's, that's yeah, it's, it's great. But the there was a movie put out years ago. We'll wrap this up. We start off talking about movies. We'll close talking about movies. There was a movie called Southern Comfort years ago. David Carradine was in it. And Powers Booth, remember those guys? Powers Booth. Wow. Powers Booth. And what it was is they were like uh, National Guard guys, like on reserves. And they went out mm-hmm. for maneuvers on into the Cajuns, like into the swamps and woods in, in Louisiana or something like that. And they they had blanks. They were just on maneuvers. And they were kind of screwing around, and they fired at some Cajun guys like with their blanks. But the Cajun guys didn't know they were blanks. So then they it turned into like a deliverance type of movie where <laughs> they were like on their own in the swamps. But oh they had no ammunition or anything. And it's it's one of those movies that like if you watch it at night and then you go out to take the garbage out at night, you like you like running back to your house real fast. It's awesome. Well, that's that's true also of Southern Comfort that uh, you feel a little disoriented. 
if you have too much of that. I, I uh, uh, the uh, I don't Canada Dry used. To, I shouldn't be talking about this, but Canada Dry used to make, make it a sponsorship. Out of it's it. true. If you're out there, Canada, they used to make something called Tahitian Treat. It was a fruit punch uh, uh, carbonated beverage. Are you, have you heard of it? Do no. You remember it? Don't. No. Okay. It was called Tahitian Treat. It was delicious. But if you mixed it with Southern Comfort, it was ridiculous. Oh. Uh, and it then became a problem as a youth. As a youth. So, <laughs> as a um, youth. That's my Southern, Southern Comfort story. Anyway, great talking with you. Great catching up with you. Back to your vacation. I'm going back to mine. Yes. Have a, have a uh, good rest of the summer. I'll see Will you at training camp before we know it. <laughs> okay. See you, man. Always great to catch up with Tom Jones. Some good insight there. I hope you enjoyed that uh, as we have him on. Uh, he's been joining us about every week, so it's great to, to have him do that for us. Uh, meanwhile, the Rays will play their final series in Minnesota uh, before the All-Star break. Jake Odorizzi on the mound for the Twins tonight is a familiar name to Rays fans. And then, of course, on Thursday, uh, the news was that the Rays sent Willie Adamas, their uh, young rookie shortstop, back to AAA Durham. And the corresponding move was uh, Che Wei Hu. Uh, Kazoon tight. Uh, thank you. Uh, who Who's on the mound, I guess? Um, he's going to be uh, uh, in their, I guess, in their bullpen and uh, one of the cast of thousands that they use now. So we'll get a chance to maybe look at him over the weekend. Yeah, with Adamas also, being you, sent down, was it's more about Echeverria being up here, and he hasn't. he's not getting a ton of playing time. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit at the plate, so send him down to Durham where he can play every day and kind of get back in a groove. And he'll be up here yeah. before you know it because, I mean, the trade deadline's in three weeks. Uh, Denny Echevarria, if they don't trade him by then, you have to imagine he'll be DFA'd at that point to make room for Adamas to be up here permanently. Right. And that's, as much as anything, him struggling might have to do with not being able to play every day. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's very, that's a hard role to put a guy in, and you don't want a young player to uh, lose confidence doing that. So he'll get his reps down in AAA, and then when they, when they part with uh, Echevarria, uh, he'll be back up here for sure. You won't get to see Logan Morrison, the former Ray. He's gone on the DL, so he will not. He's not part of that uh, twin series. Also, I guess on Sunday, the World Cup. This has been uh, quite the story. France against Croatia. A surprise entry there in the final, having uh, dispatched England. That's on Sunday. So for you World Cup fans, something to look forward to over the weekend. And then you got to wait four more years for the next World Cup. Well, the men's World Cup. Yeah. That is the women's World Cup will be men's. next year in France. Yeah, we got uh, what the Wimbledon finals are coming up uh, as well this weekend. Mm-hmm. So that'll be something to uh, to the watch. U.S. As well. Open or the, I'm sorry, the 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 Open Championship will be next weekend. That's right. Yeah, which I call the British Open for whatever yes. reason. Even though I think I don't know Scotland when it, I don't know when it switched from the British Open to the Open Championship. The Open Championship. When when the British guy could say that it's the Open Championship. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, is that in Scotland this year, I believe? I want to say it is. Yeah, I believe it's at a Trump course, to be honest. Trump's staying there this weekend. Really? And then uh, the the British Open's there next week. Well, his timing sucks then. He could have, if he had a little, you know, had the summit a week later, who knows? Maybe he could have caught some of that. He is president, after all. He can go. I guess he can go if he wants to. Um, So all of that uh, we'll talk about on Monday, obviously, and... Listen, we, we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for the questions this week. Got a great mailbag. Maybe do that next week. We got the All Star game coming up next week as well. Um, the Rays almost, you know, depending on how they fare, they're guaranteed to at least have a 500 record when the All Star break comes, if not better. And uh, you got to give them credit for that. So good Rays talk with Tom Jones as well as his discussion with the Bucks. My thanks to him. And as always, we'd love for you guys to interact with us. You can do that on Twitter. Make sure you get your questions in, your comments, what you'd like to hear more of, less of. All those things. We were only a couple weeks 
from Bucks Training Camp. It's hard to believe they're setting up out there right now at One Buck Place for training camp. So that's exciting. We'll have lots of interviews uh, when when that uh, begins to transpire as well. And we'll try to uh, maybe get some surprises for next week uh, for you guys. You can reach us uh, on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or you can always email me at rstroud at tampabay.com. Please, please love to rate and review this podcast for us if you would, please. And they can do that almost anywhere they can find podcasts, right, Steve? You can find this on iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Uh, just hit the subscribe button. It downloads to your mobile device every day. Tell a friend about it or comment on the post or just hit like on there, and that always helps us out. Thanks for listening. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Burstink. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. 